What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. A new stock exchange with a very high-minded purpose, and that is to level the playing field between hyper-fast traders and slower-moving ordinary traders with a famous speed bump, a 350 microsecond delay on trades. This is what IEX is trying to do, and our next guest is wondering if they're going to succeed. Michael Friedman is general counsel and chief compliance officer at Trillium right here in New York. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kathleen. Glad to be with you. Well, of course, you are you do compliance. You oversee your traders at Trillium, who tend to be more, uh, I guess, uh, somewhere between uh, high frequency and and regular. I wouldn't even say slower. Just just more traditional traders. IEX, uh, remind us the business model and how people like you and the traders at you, your firm are viewing it. Sure. So uh, IEX uh, has built kind of a narrative for itself that it is. It solves a specific problem uh, caused by a certain type of high-frequency trading uh, called latency arbitrage. So what they've created is a speed bump that every order message to an offer to buy or sell must pass through before it hits their matching engine, and then the news of whether it actually got filled passes back through that speed bump when it goes back out to the rest of the world. And it's 350 microseconds. That's a third of a thousandth of a second. But they say that's enough to disable a certain type of trading strategy that uh, got a lot of attention in Michael Lewis's book and in various other corners of the world. Um, and uh, it probably does solve that problem. I'll give them credit for that. Okay. Well, that's Michael Lewis's famous book, Flash Boys. Some people with hindsight who know the who are in this industry felt that it wasn't maybe 100% uh, I don't know. The view of it was maybe a bit one-sided. But let's see the book to one side, because the key question is this. I assume that the founders of IEX think, boy, oh boy, people are going to love this because they don't want these high-frequency traders stepping in front of them. They started up on, they're gradually, on August 19th, they're going to gradually add stocks for a couple of weeks. Is there demand? How's it going so far? Well, uh, you put your finger on it. So the, in order for them to be successful, and success is a stock exchange means generating a lot of volume and competing with the big, the big guys, NASDAQ and NYSE, um, they need to do a lot of trades. And the way they do a lot of trades is by encouraging more orders to be routed to them. Um, and their history has shown that when you start a new exchange like this, there really isn't enough natural traffic is in uh, natural buyers and natural sellers who are real investors, both wanting to uh, take the opposite side of a, of, a, of a stock at a certain price at the same time. That's kind of rare that that happens. So the way the markets, that you kind of grease the skids and make the markets uh, uh, whir a little faster is you have middlemen called market makers who stand in the middle and are willing to buy when there's a willing seller and sell when there's a willing buyer, and that makes it all move a lot faster. These days, all of those market makers are electronic. 
and they happen to be the very same firms that uh, people who are kind of kind of bought into the narrative of IEX uh, don't like. And we're talking Citadel, KCG, Virtu; those are the, the major market makers. So what? IEX has to do is it needs to encourage these high-frequency trading firms to become market makers on their venue and to post a lot of quotes so that mm. they'll generate volume. But at the same time, they don't want to appear to be catering to these HFT firms because their uh, supporters who have uh, pushed them this far uh, really don't like HFT firms. Oh, boy. Uh <laughs> it's hard. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean... Well, so it's funny. So Barclays was in a very similar situation with their dark pool a couple of years ago. And so there's a model for how not to solve this problem, which is what Barclays did, which is uh, you basically invite all the high-frequency trading firms to trade on your venue, but you don't tell your investors that you've done that. And Barclays, that's what Barclays did on their dark pool, and the attorney general uh, investigated and found that they were misleading their investors and uh, gave them a big fine for that. So I, I think what they, what IEX should do, uh, taking, learning the lesson of, of Barclays' mistake, is that they really need to kind of dial back on the messaging of how anti-HFT they are. And to their credit, it's probably been outsiders who have uh, – kind of taken their narrative that they solve one uh, specific evil of HFT and turned it into uh, this broader message that they're anti-HFT in general. So if they can kind of dial that back a little and say, look, we just care about these specific evils that everyone hates, but we still support electronic market making generally, I think that's probably the way to go. Quick final question. You've got about 30 seconds. Uh, if they make this work, how lucrative is this going to be for them? I mean, broadly specific terms. How would you describe it? Well, it's it's not what it used to be, this industry. Um, it's pretty competitive now. It's extremely competitive. It doesn't get more competitive than this. Tiny spreads. Um, one of the ways that exchanges make money in this business is by selling data. And so far, uh, IEX has said they're not going to sell that data. If you sell data, that kind of insulates you from volume fluctuations, which is can have a big impact on your bottom line. Selling data is kind of a stable okay. business year in and year out. So uh, if they can generate some volume and move into selling data, I think they'll, they'll succeed. All right. Michael Friedman, thank you so very much. He's General Counsel, Chief Compliance Officer at Trillium here in New York. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.